MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ridiculous News is a production of iHeartRadio and Cool 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 Audio. With amazing and crazy topics to pick and to choose, you are now tuned in to Ridiculous News. With interesting views on breaking the rules of broadcasting and all sorts of wild reports to keep us laughing. With funny off-brand upbeat journalism, the strange and unusual stories of what we give them. When it's all about ridiculous news everywhere, we talking about ridiculous news over here. Hey everyone, welcome to Ridiculous News, not your average news show. We cover stuff you didn't realize was news from the wild and funny to the deep and hidden to the absolutely ridiculous. I'm Bill Worley. I'm an Atlanta-based filmmaker and I'm a comedian. Bill, it's great to hear from you. I'm Mark. I'm also an Atlanta-based comedian. And, uh, you know, uh, we just want to kick this show off by saying uh, together, you know, uh, anti-Semitism of any kind is wrong. End Mm -hmm. of story. Yes, we want to give all of our love and support to all of our amazing, wonderful Jewish friends and the amazing Jewish people. Love y'all. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, y'all, moving on. Today is a weekly roundup episode, and we're going to be discussing real-life Power Rangers coming to the rescue. We're going to be talking about a new piece of tech designed to listen to your voice for signs of depression. Uh, Spoiler alert, I'm skeptical. (laughs) I'm skeptical, all right? <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, and, fair, fair. And how certain emojis are received in the workplace. So, wink. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Bill, <laughs> let's uh, kick things off with some ridiculous news nibbles. Uh, these are some short, interesting headlines uh, that caught our eye recently. Yeah, this first one is uh, reminiscent of a a great film that came out in the early 2000s. (laughs) This is a true story about a United Airlines Florida to New Jersey flight that the business class passengers got on and were greeted by a snake. Bang. Yes, uh, that's what you get for going first business class. That's what you get. You always think you, you're waiting in line. Sometimes it's not always the best. That's right. They got on the plane. They saw the snake as the plane taxied from the runway to the terminal. Um, somewhat expectedly, the snake sighting led to a major scare among those business class. Finally, they get what they deserve passengers. <laughs> Imagine it's just like you're on a plane and you're just like, oh, man, I got out of nowhere, someone randomly gave me an upgrade to business class. This yeah, is great. Right. I'm boarding her. <laughs> yeah. They walk on, there's a snake. It's like, no! No! Yeah. It's your first time ever being upgraded. Right, right. Is that the, the, maybe that's the depressed person. It's, oh, this is only what happened to You're me. Right, right, oh, right. Of course, the one time I get upgraded, there's a snake. Right, um, right. Well, a representative from United Airlines did acknowledge the incident. Good for them. Uh, they added that as soon as the passengers alerted the cabin crew, which you think the crew might have noticed it, but uh, the the crew did uh, tell the appropriate quote appropriate authorities they were called to take care of the situation. Which in my head, when I hear we're going to take care of the situation, yeah, it yeah. feels like they're just going <laughs> to throw that thing out the plane. I know, right? Straight up, yeah. Because like, don't they say in the article? Didn't they say they released it into the wild? Into the wild, and which was so great. Yeah, which is great. 
I hope that's what happened as opposed to being like, go on, snake, get. You know what I mean? Like, how do they define the wild? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> do you know what that's I mean? True. Like, is that outside? Like, <laughs> is that three inches off of the runway into the grass? Right, right. right. It's home into the <laughs> yeah. wild. Yeah, it's a like, 747 right. land. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's such a good point. Who knows? It was the Port Authority police officers. They claimed it was released into the quote unquote <laughs> wild. The good news is no injuries were reported. The aircraft continued its operations from, of course, New Jersey uh, after the snake was rescued. But there's been no explanation, zero explanations on how the snake slithered onto the aircraft in the first place. Of course, this isn't the only time there's been snakes on a plane, Mark. There's actually been several other real-life instances of snake hopping for a ride aboard aircraft. In 2016, there was a large snake seen slithering through the cabin of an Aeromexico flight to Mexico City. Similarly, in 2013, a flight from Austria to Papua New Guinea, a passenger spotted a python clinging to the aircraft's outer wing. And that's my favorite. He's just hitching a ride. I mean, he, maybe he's, you know, I'm tired of Australia. <laughs> I want to get out of here. This, you know, I, I think, and also kudos for saving money on that flight that he was trying to do. No word on whether those were uh, released into the wild or what happened to those particular ones. Um, but even this year, in earlier Mark in February, there was passengers who recorded videos of a snake inside an Air Asia flight from uh, Kuala Lumpur to Tawau. Uh, so yeah, I mean, snakes every once in a while they're hanging they out, show up. you know, and. Yeah, you know, I I had a snake as a kid, and I think uh, a python, and um, it, you know, she was nice, Dolly. After Salvador Dolly. Oh, you know, snake. what? I thought Good it was time. after Dolly Parton. That's where my brain. Went. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's great. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I shared it with my brother. We had it together, uh, and I mean, mainly he took care of it when I said, but we we both kind of hung out with it. But I guess I don't know why we named it Dolly. I, still a fan of Dolly's work. Uh, also Dolly Parton, you know, maybe right. it goes both ways. Yeah. You know. I'm sorry, Bill. This is rather abrupt, but is that Sam Jackson? Oh my God, Sam Jackson's in the studio. That's right, y'all. It's me, motherfucker Sam Jackson. <laughs> Whoa. I just said, I read the story. I read the story about the snake on the plant, and I gotta say, this is the right number of motherfucking snakes to have on a motherfucking plane. A plane full of snakes? That's too many motherfucking snakes. One motherfucking snake? Look, it's not ideal, but I'll take it. Now, all that said, we gotta get that one motherfucking snake off the plane. But after that, after that, we're good. Why couldn't the movie have just been snake on a plane? And it's about me, <laughs> Sam Jackson, getting on a plane. I find one snake. I say, get that snake off the plane. And they say, yes, sir, Mr. Jackson. And that's the end of the movie. <laughs> I mean, that would be a really short movie. Maybe that's why they didn't Movies do it. Movies need it, to be short. I just found okay, out about okay. this thing called TikTok, all right? And the yes. shorter, the better. We need 15-second mm. versions of movies. Take, for example, Pulp Fiction. A 15-second yes. version of Pulp Fiction is you open up mm -hmm. on me in my Jericho with a gun. I say, hey, look up the Bible quote I'm about to say. Pow! Cut to credits. Or Jurassic Park. I'm in Jurassic Park, right? You just have a dinosaur. Right. I show up, punch it in the face, and I'm like, get back Damn. in time. Cut to credits. Or this new <laughs> Super Mario movie. Super Mario movie with Chris Pratt in it. I just pop yeah. out of nowhere as me, Sam Jackson, in a 3D digital world. And I look at Chris Pratt as Mario and I say, bad casting. Cut to credits. <laughs> you just make these movies for TikTok. Anyway, I got to go. This whole thing's been a TikTok movie. Sam oh, Jackson is a TikTok. Oh, whoa. He just... He just transported out of here like a like magic. Yeah, I guess maybe he has like a Marvel uh, transporter thing because I feel like maybe the Marvel technology he gets access to that. So that makes a lot of sense. You know, he's the the highest grossing film actor in history. Yeah, and I think uh, he's been at that spot like for a while, maybe even before yeah. a lot of the Marvel stuff took out. He's just I, like, 
I think so. So at this point, he's probably fairly unreachable. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, clearly, I mean, and also, I would watch all of those TikToks. Uh, <laughs> I hope that, um, Sam, if you're listening, that you create that channel because big fan, yeah. big fan. Yeah. Uh, well, up next, y'all, we have this story. is from ABC7 in San Francisco. All right, so what happened was you have these servers that dress as Power Rangers at an Oakland restaurant, okay? Pretty fun, pretty cool. The name of the restaurant awesome. is called yeah. Noka Ramen, right? But this is what's weird, all right? So you have these employees dressed as Power Rangers, uh, and then they had to spring into action for real because there was a woman who was being attacked. And the whole thing was documented uh, by one of the people at the restaurant over Twitter. So there was uh, someone named Ploy Puripakin was in the restaurant. They took to Twitter, and they started kind of like narrating how this thing went down. So one of their tweets read, the craziest thing just happened at dinner. I'm at a ramen shop owned by Thai people in Oakland, dressed as Power Rangers, when a woman comes <laughs> rushing in saying she wasn't safe, and a man came running in after her and puts her in a chokehold, which is wild. My God. Yeah, that is insane. Yeah, I mean, like, that's awful, right? So, but what happened was the patrons, uh, the service dressed as Power Rangers, they ended up piling onto the man, and the police showed up. The man ended up being detained, Apparently, they were undergoing a mental health crisis of some sort, and they were transported someplace where they could get medical attention. Right. Well, well, well something they're not mentioning. So it took over 30 minutes for the police to show up. Oh, so the guy, you know, you read through these crazy tweets, and the guy came in. The, the, the Power Rangers, the Pink Ranger in particular, I believe, helped uh, fight off the guy. He leaves, starts throwing the furniture like the out in front of the store at, at the windows goes gets another guy who did he recruit wait who did he recruit <laughs> yeah he got another guy <laughs> and just like the bad guys i guess in power and they then both came in and started attacking and then yeah it was like what insane and then the fact that i mean twitter you know before elon musk just turns it into whatever racist terrible cesspool it will become it is interesting for these folks that can just live tweet situations because it is engaging and um, luckily, the Power Rangers did seem like they, they piled on. It was, a, it was a group which Power Rangers piling together usually yields a much more powerful, larger being. It's well said. Yeah. Uh, but in this case, I think it was just a bunch of bodies <laughs> <laughs> Hold, holding, <laughs> holding a person down, which was still, you know, powerful. Absolutely. Very powerful. Sam Jackson, uh, what do you think about all this? Sounds like a movie to me. Power Rangers, the movie. Pow, pow. Sam, I think that's actually, Power Rangers actually already had a movie. There is a movie. Not yeah. my book. I didn't see it. There's a bunch of movies I haven't seen, and therefore, they don't exist. For example, I got an idea for a movie called True Lies, all right? And it involves an agent okay, okay. riding around in a horse through a mall. And it doesn't okay, matter that's... if it's happened or not. But guess what? <laughs> Sam Jackson's going to do it. And when I do it, it's going to be called True Lies. It don't matter. Okay. Sam Jackson yeah, that, out. That, <laughs> yeah, he teleported yeah, he again. Keep, he keeps. He comes in. He drops these bombs, and then he don't, he don't even get to. Respond. I'm beginning to think he's not about like dialogue or discussion at all. It's just kind of about getting no. his ideas out there. But to be fair, I saw a behind the scenes interview with him one time talking about working with directors, <laughs> and he talked about his favorite directors being the ones that just don't tell him what to do. <laughs> <laughs> he's like you got your you got your directors who want to tell you what to do and then you got your directors that are the visual directors he's like those are the best kind of directors because they don't fuck with you he's like so I feel like Sam just comes in like this is what I'm about to do put the camera over there wherever you want to put the camera <laughs> right, right, right. and capture it yeah, yeah. it's very very simple. well this this final article for our news nipples is one that our amazing researcher Casey found that's about scientists who outlined one of the main problems if we ever find alien life and probably not a surprise it's our politicians <laughs> of course it's our politicians if you've watched any uh, uh alien movie in the last 20 years uh this is from the article the search for extraterrestrial intelligence or seti also sceti which is in a lot of movies you might recognize uh it project that project collects data from radio telescopes pointed out towards the cosmos in the hope of picking up a transmission from an intelligent alien civilization the trouble is that the receiver might not be quite as intelligent. At least that's the premise behind a new study accepted for future publication in an issue of space policy. So basically, 
they're looking at. And I don't know, to me, Mark, it does, I've, you might have heard the quote, the best sign of that there's intelligent life out there in the universe is that it hasn't tried to contact us yet. <laughs> I, kind of, I kind of agree with that. You look at our society, you look at our culture, you look at our politics. Because you think about, and this article talks about, how would politicians react mm. to alien contact? And this new paper delves into the real politic of a scenario in which global governments react to the discovery of alien life. And it outlines how it believes that scenario would play out on the global stage. And one of the scenarios outlines sees nations aim to gain a communication and information monopoly with any alien intelligence, which is not too surprising. This would almost certainly lead to international conflict with other nations fearing those in contact with the extraterrestrials could then gain and harness alien technology to subjugate other nations. Uh, This reminds me of the, the Amy Adams movie Arrival. Did you ever see that? Yes. Yeah. And in that movie, it doesn't lead to military conflict between, you know, the different nations on Earth. However, one of the issues is, you know, they're trying to communicate. This is not a spoiler, but it's it's about trying to Mm -hmm. communicate with these aliens that show up on Earth. And one of the challenges is, is that the world kind of works together, but not completely. So they're not, Mm -hmm. the the different countries are not always really in sync uh, with how to share information with one another. And it puts us uh, in danger, frankly. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine? Like, and I feel like even in, even in our country, I oh, feel yeah. like people would be like, "Get those aliens out of here!" <laughs> and then some would be like, "We can't trust the aliens." <laughs> We've seen, and then some people are going to be like, "We need to love and accept the <laughs> aliens and put our," you know, it would just just in the, in the U.S. there'd be a million different opinions, for sure, dangerous opinions, and people being like, "Get them out" or whatever, keep them in. I don't know, and you know, ultimately in this paper, the suggestion is that global cooperation and openness should be prioritized, of course, in an alien contact scenario. We got to share, you know, we got to share what they, what they share with us, the aliens. And, you know, I guess if an aliens, if the alien beings are listening to this podcast or reading this article, you know, just kind of visit everybody at once, I guess, (laughs) you know, and I mean, you know, take our resources, do whatever you need to do. Anyway, I thought this was a great Reddit comment that uh, Casey shared from a Kitta. It's a Kitta Kitty Cat is the is the user. But he said, while a possibility, I have seen enough movies from the eighties and nineties to know it's more likely an alien will contact a teenage boy with familial issues, and through the power of friendship, eternal bonds will be forever forged. Ooh, you know what? It's me, Sam Jackson, back. I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that slug line. I'm going to make it into a movie, and I'm going to call it The Iron Giant. Damn it, Sam. It's already been done. Not for me. (laughs) Woo! Sam Jackson out. We're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor. This is Neil Strauss host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily to die for is available now listen for free on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts i used to have so many men how this beguiling woman in her 50s she looked like a million bucks with zero qualifications she had a harvard plaque 
tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. With amazing and crazy topics to pick and to choose, you are now tuned in to Ridiculous News. All right, y'all, we're back. And we're going to start with an article, Bill, that you found that I thought was really interesting. It's from Axios. And the headline is, Voice Biomarker uh, is a type of tech that analyzes your voice for signs of depression. So the article goes on to say that software that analyzes snippets of your speech to identify mental health problems is rapidly making its way into call centers, medical clinics, and telehealth platforms. And so the idea is to detect illnesses that might otherwise go untreated. And so as of right now, there's a scant but growing number of scientific studies uh, supporting claims that voice biomarkers can help screen for everything from depression to cardiovascular problems to respiratory ailments like COVID-19, asthma, and mm -hmm. COPD. Uh, wow. And this is where the article brought up questions for me, right? So it goes sure, on to sure. say that yeah. depressed patients, quote, take more pauses and stop more often. And that's from Maria hmm. Espinola, a psychologist and assistant professor at the University of Cincinnati College of Medicine. And they told this to the New York Times. Uh, they went on to say, their speech is generally more monotone, flatter, and softer. They also have a reduced pitch range and lower volume. And so Interesting. the thing about this though, is like, hey, a technology that can detect conditions, illnesses that would otherwise go unnoticed is great. However, the article is also clear yeah. to point out that the spread of this tech raises privacy concerns uh, similar sure. to those brought about by facial recognition. The other thing that the article mentions that I thought is what gave me pause is that yeah. uh, people of color and women are traditionally more discriminated against by AI systems and Amazon's own AI research has struggled with this very problem in the past. Uh, and that's per... Uh, tech news site protocol. And so, for example, right. when uh, Maria Espinola was talking about the commonalities in speech of people that may be depressed, I'm like, hey, I bet that that's like a solid observation with a bunch of information to back that up. However, it's just as we go through cultures, people talk differently and show yeah. things differently, you know? Absolutely. And I'm I'm just thinking about like my own experience dealing with how people talk when they're going through different things like this. And it's like, that's not how they talk. So, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so yeah. Well, well, yeah. I mean, and, and then you talk about immigrants or people who have English as a second language. Mm -hmm. Of course, they might pause more right. and stop more often when they're talking. You talk about, hey, what if I have a sore throat that day? What if, you know, Lots of different scenarios where, you know, I have a cough and so it's causing me to stop more often or I'm not sure what I'm talking about. Now, I, I like the idea of people getting mental health help yeah. because I think that is an, a true 
another epidemic or pandemic, whatever you want to call it, facing our country. And I think people that are unaware of it should be made aware. And I hope, I mean, my hope with this is one to your, to your point, Mark, I think it could definitely lead to some miscalculations and, and diagnoses that aren't correct. But maybe it's more of a, hey, ask these people these follow-up questions, you know, to see if this is the case, you know, right. if they, if they do have depression, you know, there's, there's questions you can then follow up with. If, if it's COVID-19, obviously there's things you can have them come in and do a test. And, and then, you know, I guess the thing would, you wouldn't want this to be the end all be all. Right. This seems right. to be more like a, a little, like a, a, a yellow flashing light than a red yeah. light. Um, it's, it is interesting to me. And I don't know about you, but I do sometimes feel like in, you know, the older you get, you, if you read Malcolm Gladwell's books like Blink and where you make quick assumptions on, on people and, and your brain sh- learns to do stuff very quickly. I do think there's people that I've met that I've talked to mm-hmm. and their demeanor and their voice and the way that they interact makes me think that they're sad sure. or that they're depressed. And and clearly, you know, there's like that sad filter on IG. I don't know if you've seen these videos, Mark, where people put like, like they have the teary eyes and it makes people look like they're just frowning and, and Oh, yes, sad. I have seen and that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so there, people are walking around asking, how are you, are you doing good? Like, yeah, I'm doing good. <laughs> yeah, what are you talking yeah. about? Um, and, and so... You know, I think anything that can can help people identify that is a good thing as long as it's not abused. I guess that goes for like a lot of technology mm-hmm. in general, right? You know, like you you want it to be good and and there's places it can be abused and like just spitballing, you know, Mark, what if what if someone's they're doing screenings for app you know, employment and then someone gets screened out because the AI says, Oh, this person's depressed or this person mm-hmm. might have this. And maybe it's English as a second language. Maybe they have a, a sore throat that day. You know, that's where maybe it starts to get a little bit too far. Mm-hmm. Well, I like what you were saying earlier about it being like a yellow blinking light as opposed to a red light, you know, and yeah. maybe it's a tool that people use in addition with other things. Because going back to your example of how you've spoken with people, I imagine you were also picking up on other things and as well, in addition to their voice, right. it's like their body language, their facial expressions, things like that that mm-hmm. kind of bring about the totality of being like, yeah, this person seems sad, you know? So hopefully uh, medical professionals using this technology, because I can totally understand how it could save time, save lives, like, and I'm in support of all that, but hopefully it's just taken as one tool that you use along with other tools to come to certain Mm -hmm. determinations. You seemed a little sad when you said that last part. Yeah, man, I'm sad about, (laughs) I'm sad about AI. Yeah, I am. I did detected detected <laughs> right. robots come yeah. in and just lift you out of your seat. <laughs> yeah. Take them to the sad room. Yeah. When you're just going to be uh, listen to a bunch of funky jazz. That's the thing that, <laughs> that gets me. If I'm in a bad mood, I'm telling I'm telling Alexa to play the funky jazz, and uh, you know that that is usually helpful. That's a pro tip, y'all. Um, uh, ask what your Spotify or whatever uh, music player you use. I guess iHeart. Yeah, use iHeart. Um, this next article <laughs> I thought was interesting because it kind of plays off of what we were just talking about, Mark. And it's also from Axios, a big fan of that um, news source. But this one is called Lonely America. And it's talking about how, uh, and this is a really relatively recent article, about how loneliness in America is widespread. And it's so widespread that it's actually a public health problem. Um, more than one in three Americans are lonely, per a Harvard study, And that rises to 61% when looking at younger people and 51% among moms with young kids. And that matters because it's not just a feeling. Loneliness has real consequences for your health and can shorten your life. In fact, this is this amazing statistic that one analysis found that the negative health effects of loneliness is the equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Wow. Which is wild because I hate cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> you, Mark, I like I can't be around a cigarette. And if there's someone two tables over and yeah. it's outside, yeah. I usually have to get up and move. And I realize, you know, it's, they're addictive and it's fun to play with fire and be in control of fire in your mouth. I have much respect for that. But, you know, I can't be near it. You know, they have to put you, you sit further away. Just to like keep going down the cigarette tangent. Uh, one of my favorite yeah. places in Little Five Points in Atlanta is a place called Star Bar. And yeah. it's a great place to go see music, to see stand up comedy. And the laws have changed in Georgia, but up until like 
pretty recently. It was one of the few places in the city where you could go and smoke. I don't smoke, oh, but God. it's just like, it yeah. also has some of the best shows. So I would go there and be at a show for hours and you just kind of get caked in cigarette smoke. And it was just like, and you'd go home, you'd go home and it's just like, you know, when you kind of like feel this very thin film of cigarette, just like ash and smoke on your skin. Um, right. That's what it would be like. That said, uh, much love to Starbar. I hope you live forever and ever. <laughs> yeah, Starbar. Starbar, yeah, it's, it's this this iconic uh, bar where Mark does a lot of stand-up. There's a lot of great shows. And uh, it might be going away, y'all, because of quote-unquote progress. I don't know. Gentrification. I don't know. Like, greedy developers. Uh, hopefully it sticks around. Um, but, you, yeah, it's so funny when you see the old movies with, like, people smoking on freaking planes or like, <laughs> and stuff like that. I, I just can't even imagine, like, it's weird to think about how, you know, you'd go to restaurants and there'd be like a smoking and non-smoking section, but there was no real divider. So you could still be <laughs> sitting right, right next to someone that was smoking and just kind of like Ugh. blowing smoke onto whatever it is that you were eating. Um, and it's going to just taste like Marlboro. It's right, going to yeah. taste like Virginia Slims. Like, would you like some fries with that tobacco? <laughs> yeah. Um Oh, it's so gross. Well, you know, I think, so think about that. So it's not just, and in, in what we're talking about is secondhand smoke, right. which is way less than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Yeah. And just that secondhand smoke can affect your health. Um, and the, the big picture is that the pandemic, of course, spotlighted and worsened loneliness in America. I think about my grandparents. I lost four during the pandemic. And I sometimes wonder, you know, I, I, I'm so grateful for the phone conversations that I had with my grandparents. I know I've talked about KK, my grandma, who was uh, such a huge influence in my life and lost her during the pandemic. And sometimes I wonder how much that loneliness was like my wonderful, amazing cousins who sometimes listen, hey guys, uh, down in Orlando, they were always talking to her. She was in Orlando, um, uh, northern suburbs. And um, I think we all, you know, would call and, 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 and talk, but you know, there is a, there's even a difference between talking to someone on the phone and being able to see them in person, of course. And so this article goes on to point out something else that I think is really interesting about loneliness, Mark. And it talks about how even the most connected people with seemingly robust social lives and networks can be quite lonely. And it's more about the quality of our relationships versus necessarily quantity. And this is, we did an episode on friendships with our friend, um, Dre Castanel, and we talked about that as well. And as an extrovert, I definitely have a, a bigger network than I think some of my friends that are introverts have, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's healthier. And I think with introverts sometimes hear this or people that are more shy and think, oh, well, you know, I don't like going out and meet people. Well, it's not necessarily about having a lot of people. It's just having quality relationships with the people that are your friends. It doesn't need to be 20, 50, 100 people. It can be three people that you have a close, good relationship that you can share uh, with. And so know that that's this, don't take this article as, oh, I need a ton more friends. Uh, this is just saying that you need to make sure you have healthy friendships um, because research has linked loneliness to depression, dementia, high blood pressure, obesity. And part of this is because, as John Leland from the New York Times says, the human brain, having evolved to seek safety in numbers, registers loneliness as a threat. And what I love about Axios and this article, Mark, is we don't want to ever leave y'all, our amazing listeners, with just the sadness <laughs> of the loneliness. Yeah. So I'm glad you're here with us. We're spending time together. But uh, there's ways you can uh, help and ways you can help with yourself and others. And one of the most effective interventions for loneliness is kind of going back to the basics, which is pick up the phone. Yeah. Um, you know, call a friend. And... Uh, uh, Maninder Kalan, who's a professor at the University of Texas's Dell Medical School, who studies loneliness, he examined the effect of phone calls in a recent study, and he actually said, don't talk, ask questions, let people talk. And that people feel good and connected when what they have to offer is seen as valuable and interesting. And don't worry if someone doesn't talk that much, she says, even the fact that they picked up the phone is a sign that they're seeking connection. So bottom line, everybody, if you haven't heard from a family member or a friend in a while, dial them up and listen. You might brighten their day, week, or maybe even their month. 
I want to have a, this is Sam Jackson, by the way. I want to make a movie called uh, Phone Booth. All right? There's going to okay, be a movie okay. called Phone Booth. It's a man in a it's phone. Been made. What's that? Okay. Another, I thought maybe this has been it done, was never. It, it's know. never been made with, with Colin Farrell in the titular role. All right? So it's going to have someone, it's going to have someone in a phone booth. They're going to call up a friend and be like, hey, friend, haven't heard from you in a while. You good? And they'll be like, I appreciate the call, man. I'm going through it, but it's good to know you got my back. Click, roll credits, TikTok, <laughs> Sam Jackson, out. We'll be right back with more ridiculous news after this short break. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I've never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s. She looked like a million bucks. With zero qualifications. She had a Harvard plaque. Tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't get it confused. You are now tuned in to Ridiculous News. So, y'all, we're back, and this next article we're talking about is how emoji can divide the workplace. Another article divide from Axios. <laughs> yeah. And so, <laughs> according to a recent viral Reddit thread, there can be a generational divide on the meaning behind certain emoji. And you might be familiar with some of these. So, in the thread, several members of Gen Z, uh, which is anyone born in 1997 and beyond, said they considered the use of just a plain thumbs up to be passive-aggressive and rude. And that's not my first reaction when someone sends a thumbs up, but I do understand right. that. Where right. in real life, if you were to be like, hey, blah, 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 and someone without saying anything just gave you a thumbs up and a nod, I could see how that could, in certain ways, be seen as sarcastic. So I get it. Uh, 
Yeah. The article goes on to say that some members of Gen Z consider the commonly used cry emoji, the heart emoji, and the clap emoji to be cringeworthy. And that's according to a 2021 poll. Even wow. the act of sending a smiley face can mean different things to people of different generations, which makes sense. Yeah. That's so wild. Yeah. And it makes so much sense, you know, that this stuff, because emojis were, you uh, Mark, you know, we, we were around before there were emojis. Right. And so it is interesting how the meanings can morph and change. And it makes so much sense that younger people are like, oh, lame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Heart, clap, lame. That's so past emoji. <laughs> <laughs> well, Deborah Tannen, who's a professor of linguistics at Georgetown University, said that Digital communications can come across as solely transactional, and relationships can't be built on the backs of emojis. And I think that Mm. that makes a lot of sense. Uh, They go on to say that the concern with any kind of written communication is that you're losing the spirit in which things are intended, and we try to annotate it through excessive punctuation, capitalization, or smileys. But there's an inherent ambiguity and playfulness with emojis, and because of that, their meanings and use can change very fast. And what Mm. I appreciate about that is that I think that's one way of saying, or I don't want to change her words, but the way I interpret that is that, you know, emojis, the way you use emojis between specific groups of friends can take on their own meaning, you know, like, right. right. uh, Like I have a friend, we talk about octopus, a lot like where it's just like octopus are fascinating <laughs> creatures so it's like if we find an interesting yeah. article about an octopus we'll send that to each other so awesome. if someone were to send an octopus emoji it doesn't really mean anything other than the fact that like hey we're both interested in octopus and that's it you know right but it's just right. like that's because we've built that context over time and if you like you can mm-hmm. do that obviously amongst individuals groups larger groups and so to me it's just like emojis you know, context has to be built around them in terms of how they're used. And to your point, that's like, I think part of why there's this miscommunication yeah. to them because they're such inside baseball. They're so, yeah. uh, you know, in the eye of the beholder. And whereas the words also can be somewhat in the eye of the beholder, but they're more clear yeah. if you're saying, <laughs> I am feeling happy right. versus, you know, whatever emoji that the head is in whatever position. And sometimes people are using the upside down smiley head. And I'm like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but it's like, you're super happy or you right. feel the, it's, it's unclear. It's unclear. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think obviously generational context can be weird. And I guess maybe the closest thing verbal, like in terms of, Word, written word is, you know, think about words like groovy and far out and how those words might feel to a younger generation. They might be making a little bit of a comeback nowadays. Um, (laughs) Although I don't hear people saying far out too much, but, you know, maybe that's a way to apply it to the, the interpretations of these younger folks with these older emojis. It's just like an older phrase or older um, catchphrase that just doesn't connect. And the article had some additional interesting statistics saying that roughly half of workers overthink the communications they send, and 62% say worrying about miscommunication at work affects their overall mental health. And that is according to Mm. a Looms study. Mm. But the article goes on to say that emoji can help create workplace camaraderie. So it's like, I mean, we were talking about how it's inside baseball or an inside joke does help build camaraderie. And so in a survey conducted by Slack, 53% of workers said they use emoji in workplace communications and 67% feel more bonded with a colleague who understands their emoji use. And according Mm -hmm. to Adobe's study, a majority say emoji establishes unity, respect, and understanding. And 89% of global users say that emoji help bridge language barriers. Hmm. Which I would not have anticipated. I would, yeah, you know, like I wouldn't, have, wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, you and I use emojis a fair amount. Like, yeah. I don't feel like we necessarily use them a ton, but we'll, you know, send each other high fives mm-hmm. or smiley faces or thumbs up. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for us, uh, or at least in, <laughs> I don't know, Mark, you tell me <laughs> the, the thumbs up. You know, it's a thumbs up to a text when it's sometime logistical. Hey, we're gonna hop on record at this time. Yeah. Hey, did you get that article? Or you know, hey, we're gonna go film at this location, whatever, um, where it's just more of like a, yeah, I receive message received, Mm -hmm. uh, versus passive aggressive. Thanks. Right. Right. Yeah. 
Um, and this kind of reminds me of that whole thing, how, how using periods to a younger generation in text is seen as passive aggressive yeah. and weird. Like as a millennial, like I'm cool with being like that cringeworthy millennial. Like I love the laugh cry emoji and I know that it's not cool, but the alternative <laughs> is me like using something else that in an effort to seem more cool. And to me at the end of the day, that seems even worse. So I'm yeah. okay with being corny. I just don't want to be too, um, you know, confusing in my speech. And so I identify, I guess, with the people that might overthink messages at times. But overall, when it comes to like emojis and emails, especially if it's someone that you work with or communicate with often, you got to give them the benefit of the doubt. So it's okay if maybe you get a message and you're like, oh, that was weird. But you got to like ask them about it or it's like, is everything cool or whatever? But to them be like, oh, this person's being passive aggressive. It's like, mm. that, that's, you, you can't, that's too much work to try to like be trying to right. interpret that all the time, you know? So overall, it's like, if I get a weird message from someone, I might be like, oh, huh, that's weird. I got to ask them about that next time as opposed right. to like, I don't know, letting it fester or something like that. Yeah. Just is crying, holding yourself, right. rocking in <laughs> yeah. a corner. Yeah. 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 I, and that's another thing sometimes where I'm in, this is my really show me. It's just, I'm like, let, let me pick up the phone. Let me, yeah. let me get on the phone and a phone call with a client or a customer or a friend or whatever, yeah. just to, Hey, I think that's a great way to make sure there's no uh, miscommunication because sometimes there can be some. Well, and that brings us to our final article uh, of the day, which is about a train's passenger who saw a woman waving for help. Turns out it was a hiker who'd been missing. Yes, an injured hiker near Silverton, Colorado, was rescued earlier this month after a train passenger spotted her from the window. So, y'all, I guess we should always be looking out the windows. <laughs> she was frantically waving on the other side of a river, having just spent two days trapped in the wilderness with a broken leg. The rider alerted the crew of the Durango and Silverton narrow gauge diesel engine number 461, which is very specific. They yeah. notified <laughs> the train inspector, Delton Henry, who was in a motor car behind them. Uh, the hiker, which was a woman from New Mexico in her 20s, had been missing for two days. Uh, and she intended to go on a day hike, but ended up falling 90 feet down a cliff face oh while unfortunately trying to take pictures, which... Dang it. Uh, doing it for the gram sometimes causes you to land on not sand. Uh, she lost consciousness for an unknown amount of time. She reportedly told rescuers, yeah, yeah, I guess she just passed out. Uh, despite her concussion and a badly broken leg, she Goodness. was able to crawl to the bank of the river to try to flag down trains. Uh, it says trains plural, which to me thinks that maybe this wasn't the first train that oh, she tried to flag down, yeah. right? Uh, she had no emergency supplies or suitable clothing to spend the night outdoors. Jeez. Um, yeah, she described spending daylight hours trying to get the intentions of passing trains and at night would tuck herself into a nearby cliff face in an attempt to stay warm. So she, gosh, how many trains? Oh, it's so, it's just so terrifying. A care flight helicopter was actually required to evacuate the woman. Um, so it's not like she could have just skipped, hopped, and jumped somewhere, especially with a broken leg. And, um, you know, Henry helped shuttle the rescuers from the helicopter's landing site to the patient. They rigged a rope system, got her. Anyway, she, she's good to go. But um, the, the good news is she's good to go. I like this question mark that you put was, was this train passenger who spotted the woman also dressed as a Power Ranger? The answer is yes. It's me, one of the Power Rangers. And I, oh, wow. I don't want to take credit for what happened. Because I was not the person that was able to spot the person out. But I want to say, I bet they were dressed as a Power Ranger. Because the Power Ranger suit means unity, helping our community, and keeping others safe <laughs> when we can. And also, I'll never reveal my secret identity. All right. Thanks so much, Mark, for coming in. Not even if you right. ask. I'll never tell you who I really am. Wait, but who are you? I mean, now I got Takes ask. off mask. It's me, Sam Jackson. God damn it, Sam. <laughs> Sam, you can't be every movie. You can't just redo every movie Sam, as a TikTok that's already been done. Sam, you've been in a lot of great movies already. I, I don't understand so why many. you feel the need to do this. Sam Jackson, out. <laughs> never know. Okay. Yeah, we, we might never know. Just keep let's keep let's keep watching for past the credits. Maybe he'll reveal it one of these days. Well, that brings us <laughs> to our final uh, final final section here. Mark the spring of inspiring inspirations. A quote to leave y'all our listeners with and. 
Uh, this one is from the amazing author uh, Victor Frankl, a man who survived the Holocaust and wrote the classic uh, Man's Search for Meaning. Yeah, and the quote is, forces beyond your control can take away everything you possess except one thing, your freedom to choose how you will respond to the situation. Well, thank you all so much for tuning in to Ridiculous News. We'd love to have you. It means the world to us that you are here. Thanks for tuning in. And you can stay in touch with us. You can email us at ridiculousnews at iheartmedia.com and on Facebook and IG, follow Ridiculous News. And you can check out our comedy videos at Mark Kendall Comedy. Thanks, y'all. Bye. Later. Ridiculous News is hosted by Mark Kendall and Bill Worley. Executive producers are Ben Bolin and Noel Brown. Produced and edited by Tari Harrison. Research provided by Casey Willis. And theme music by Four Eyes and Dr. Delight. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.